Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Recorded live. Hello, it's Mike again. It's nothing but the truth. Doing another recording. I have the book or small small book. Uh, Heaven and Earth by Gabriel Henright. And um, where were we at? Okay. Those who do uh, download these shows and these recordings, as you say, I appreciate. And um, you know, later on today at 6 p.m. Eastern, I'll be interviewing Edward Henry Hunden. His book, The Greatest Lie on Earth, proves that our world is not a moving globe. Chapter 5 of the book that we're reading now, once again, Heaven and Earth, on the, the immaterial nature of the satellites of Earth. The satellites of Earth are not masses of matter. They are luminous and transparent disks without substance. And with the new quote-unquote technology of uh, the quote new and new technology that's in our hands for the average person, well, um, this is becoming very self-evident and demonstrative, demonstrable. Uh, the moon, in particular, conveys the impression of being an ethereal manifestation, the uncertain and elusive character which is usually associated with this satellite results precisely from its material nature. And there are people claiming out there and um, that you can actually see the stars behind the moon. Um, it clearly creates its own light and it's even its own shadow. It has nothing to do with the Earth. The sun, as already stated, the surface irregularities, which were thought to exist on the imaginary masses called planets, are those of the dome of the sky, such as they are seen through the transparent disks. <clears throat> well. I don't know about that one, but could be. The so-called mountains, craters, and depressions of the moon are details of the structure of the dome. Now, this, these pittings, this could be manifestations, too, of uh, the great flood and the opening of the deeps. This is what I'm saying. 
this, but I'm interjecting. I don't know, but it seems that it would be a, a, a nice gift and remembrance for all, you know, for for mankind to remember that God did do just what he said he did in his word. Uh, it may be remarked in this connection that the astronomers on the, at the Mount Palomar, 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 Palomar Observatory in America has recently reported that striking alterations have taken place on the surface of the moon. I don't know if that means anything in particular. Gigantic craters and fusion fissures of more than 500 kilometers are said to have appeared and ranges of the mountains as... See, this is one of the problems with this particular argument is that how do I prove what they're saying? Important as the Alps have have disappeared without leaving a trace. But all those supposed alterations correspond clearly to the successive structural features of the dome, which are progressively revealed by the luminous and transparent disks of the moon, disk of the moon, as it moves on. This explanation applies also in the case of Mars. The canals are most likely cracks or maybe dark veins existing in the surface of the vault which are seen through the disk. It has been observed that from time to time the canals multiply and change their form and their width and that the dark regions called um, oases, which oasis which are also to be seen expand or shrink. Um, but as already said above, this these changes relate in fact to the gradual exposure of the bulb structure under the advancing disk. Same Structure under the events, the same, excuse me, the same structure under the advancing disk. The same remarks apply also to Jupiter, which is said to have undergone similar transformations. The notion that the satellites of the Earth are masses of matter which originated with Aristotle in the 3rd century B.C., which is a very suspect time, to say the least. Professor <clears throat> Greek philosophy and um, the Third Empire's rise. <clears throat> the Greek Empire has to be abandoned. There are no solid bodies traveling in space. The use of the vocabulary of the word planet 
which has this erroneous meaning is no longer justified. And there's no such thing as planets. Um, it could uh, further be said concerning the true composition of the satellites of the Earth that it might have been discovered before today that the latter are not masses of matter in view of the fact that they are able to remain at a standstill for several days during this pause which follows their retrogression. Irrespective of whether they are held to to revolve around the earth or the sun. And of course we have a story in the Bible of God halting the sun and also the moon. So, um, And it's not talking about the earth. The earth is stationary. It is obvious that during this time, the supposed compensating forces which are said to result from the movements of the quote-unquote planets and thereby hold them in space would cease to operate due to the absence of motion. The only physical law to which the planets would then be subjected would be that of gravity and under circumstances the circumstances they would normally be precipitated on earth and on the sun as the case might be I'm not understanding what I'm reading here I'm going to go back here okay it is obvious that during this time the supposed compensating forces which are said to result from the movements of the planets and thereby hold them in space would cease to operate due to the absence of motion. The only physical law which the planets would then be subjected would be that of gravity and under the circumstances they would normally be precipitated on Earth and, or on the Sun, as case might be, the fact that the satellites are able to remain suspended in space for days during the stationary periods which follows the retrogression indicates that they are not masses of matter, that they can only be luminous manifestations of which fact is compatible with the impressive silence ruling in the heavens. <clears throat> it was recognized from the earliest times that the satellites of the Earth, particularly the sun and the moon, were not solid, opaque bodies. They were first until Aristotle is considered to be the soul, be souls or spirits, which does not imply a physical nature. To the ancients, they were simply lights. They gave the sun and moon a very apt name. They called them luminaries. 
exophase. And let's see, what's subscribe with this X? Am I pronouncing it right? Anophase or exnophase? Um, let's see if I can get to the. Let's try this once again. Is that a character? Is anophase? Is exophase? Um, yeah, it's Greek philosopher, theologian, poet, and social and religious critic. Let's see how he pronounces his name. Pronunciation. Instead of pretending that I know what I am saying, I will just find out from somebody else. Xenophanes. <laughs> I was completely off. Xenophanes. I remember um, a cat from Flat Earth. Uh, Find it. Denosthenes. Denosthenes. Well, get out there. Flat water, flat earth. Okay, sorry, dude. All right, this is enough for these. <clears throat> In the 6th century BC, thought that the sun was a, a culmination, a culmination, a cumulation, accumulation, excuse me of sparks resulting from the influence of the earth. Several um, other physicists, physicists believe that it was a bigger, bigger body or, or a lens reflecting the light of the ether. <clears throat> well, to tell you one thing is very interesting is looking at sprites and the sparks and electricity, quote, unquote, whatever, uh, that happen as it goes and hits something above the clouds. There's something there that, and talk about fireworks. Wow. Anyway, several uh, other physicians believe that it was a, I have vitreous. I don't know what I'm saying here. Vitreous. I'm having a hard day today. My gosh. All right. Now I got to do this again. I'm sorry. My apologies. Is dealing with a guy like a. Vitreous, vitreous, like glass in appearance or physical properties. And let's make sure I'm saying it right. 
Which I probably am not, because my tongue will not work. Vitreous or vitreous? Okay, vitreous. I know a vitreous. All right, vitreous. Man, okay, vitreous. Once again, um. Vitreous, like glass in appearance, physical properties. Vitreous, of a substance derived from or containing glass. The toilet or bidet, the toilet and bidet are made of vitreous china. (laughs) All right. So let's get back to this. So several other physicists believe that it was a vitreous body or a lens reflecting the light of the ether. This theory, which is based on observation, is logical. Considering that the metallic nature of the surface of the dome of the sky was probably unknown at that time. As for the moon... It is said that ages ago, long before the beginning of the Christian era, that Babylonian astronomer, priest, astronomer and priest, or priest, astronomer priest, were teaching in their temples that it was a reflection of the earth. Interesting. The this supposition of reflection is exact, but that of the origin of the reflection is not. For the lunar disk, which is as perfectly circular as possible, cannot be a reflection of Earth since the latter is not round. Interesting, since the ladder is not round. Oh, it's four corners. Hmm. And that reflection of the earth sounds an awful lot like Lord Stephen Christ concave earth theory. <clears throat> what was the first thing that comes to my mind? It was Copernicus was the first to assign this shape to the earth in order to support the rotation. It should, moreover, be borne in mind that the circular shape which the Earth appears to affect is merely due to the convexity of the dome of the sky which bounds the horizon. Interesting theory. It should be more 
be borne in mind the circular shape which the earth appears to affect is merely due to the convexity of the dome of the sky which bounds the horizon. Ancients have always said that the earth is flat and this is confirmed by the photographic records of a large number of airmen and also by the declaration of Professor Picard when he ascended in the stratosphere. It is further difficult to believe, as it has been explained, that the inhabitants of the antipods as a natural consequence of the rotility of the Earth. Now, okay. Let's go here. And let's learn what this word means. Okay. So assuming that I know what I'm talking about. Australian or New Zealand used by inhabitants of the Northern Hemisphere direct opposite of something. I'm sure I'm not saying it right as good. There we go, the brainwashing thing. Antipathies. Antipathies. Okay. And we will go back and see. Antipathies. Antipathies. How to say antipathies? Definition by Merriam Webster's, whatever it's worth, part of the Earth, diametrically opposite. Usually used in plural, often used in Australia and New Zealand as a contrast to Western Hemisphere. Antipathies, and I'm sure I won't remember how to say that. Antipathies. As a natural consequence of the rotinity of the earth, are able to stand and walk feet on earth and head down in the matter of insects crawling on a ceiling. He may reasonably think that the inhabitants of the whole world walk in the same manner as we do and on the same plane, which is the horizontal surface of the earth. It is undoubtedly that which would be seen in Australia could be reached by television since concrete notions have now been obtained concerning the existence of a circular vault around the earth. It is logically it logically follows that the latter is a plane surface, hence for the reason why I have airplanes, and it seems like we actually live something similar to, but without the rotation of a gyroscope. <clears throat> but I don't know for sure. I'm just saying it seems that way. 
It logically follows that the latter is a plane surface apart, of course, from the irregularities of the mountains, which fill, which fills with the oceans of the lower parts of the cavity in which it is situated. The polar regions would, therefore, lie flat and extend to the base of some of the circular walls surrounding the Earth. The polar regions would, therefore, lie flat and extend to the base of some of the circular walls Oh my gosh. And as one thing is this flat earth map that they're using certainly is not the right one. Polar regions would, therefore, lie flat and extend to the base of some of the circular walls surrounding the Earth. It would thus appear that satellite disks are not reflections of the Earth like the Babylonians believed in the case of the Moon. Since the Earth is not round, they are either direct projections emitting from luminous centers or reflections on the vault of the sky of primary luminous projections. It has been, in fact, said that the ancients, speaking of the sun, that it is only a reflection of a much greater and more powerful sun existing in an exterior universe. If either of these two alternatives is correct, the great difficulty, however, which still remains is to be solved in a satisfactory manner, is the motion itself of the satellites. Now, in the course of research on light, the author has come across certain experiments carried out in the last century by the French physicist, I don't know, I'm saying, Lisa Jou, something like that, I don't know. It's L-I-S-S-A-J-O-U. Whereby a spot of light reflected on a screen is made to move simply by imparting a vibration on the surface from which this spot of light is reflected. Now, interesting. Let's say this again. Now, of course, research of light authors come across experiment carried out by the French first century, the last century, by French physicist Lise Vigiou, I don't know, whereby the spot, a spot of light reflected on a screen is made to move simply by imparting a vibration to the surface from which 
this spot of light is reflected. And that's the reason, maybe that's one of the reasons why when the new images of these quote-unquote stars and planets are looking like that. Oh, interesting. Interesting. And the experiments in question seem to supply the mechanism of the motion, including even retrogression and reflected luminous projections on the vault of heaven corresponding to the disk. In these demonstrations, rays of light are allowed to fall on a mirror fixed on one branch of a turning fork. Hmm. The spot of light, the spot of light thus obtained, is reflected from the mirror on to a second one, similarly attached to another turning fork. And from there again, reflected on the screen. The screen in this comparison corresponds to the vault of the sky and the spot of light to the various satellite disks of the Earth. By letting either fork vibrate alone, the motion of its attached mirror will cause the spot to travel to and forth in a straight line on the screen. Wow. No kidding. That's a very, very revealing information there. But on account of the persistence, uh, persistence of vision, we then see an unbroken line of light. We now come to the important part of the demonstration. If the two forks with mirrors attached vibrate together, the spot of light then describes a curve, the form of which varies according to the rate of the vibration. The continuous luminous curve is also created by a fast two-four motion of the spot of light, like the straight line obtained previously by the vibration of one of the reflecting mirrors only. Under these conditions, the satellite disks of the Earth may result from similar circumstances, i.e. two successive reflections. The last one on to the vault of the sky. Of the primary luminous projections, the motion being automatically created as well as the curved line of the orbit. By the the vibratory modes of the surfaces from which they are reflected as per the demonstration, if we suppose the existence of slow vibrations, the retrogression, which corresponds to the two and four 
fro motion of the spot of light as reflected on the screen would be obtained. But in the case of the sun, the moon... It's, uh, it does not retrograde. The vibrations of the reflecting surface would be fast in order to conform to the part of the experiment or due to the persistence of vision created by the rapidity of the vibrations. A continuous curve is produced. It would thus appear... <clears throat> that since the results obtained by les you whatever reproduce reproduce the characteristics displayed by the satellite disks of the earth as regards their origin. So the satellite disks plural of the earth as regards their origin and their motion. This explanation could be accepted. If the experiments were carried out, thereby ascertaining the suitable vibratory motions to be applied to the reflecting surfaces, it is probable that a complete reconstitution of the cosmic device would be effected. Before becoming aware of Lezeus or Jules tests, which now seem conclusive, the author was of the opinion that the motion of the disk satellites of the Earth was due to a natural, although unexplainable, moving projection device. Since the fast and sl or slow, either direct or retrograde movements, as well as the period of immobility of the satellites can all be reproduced by the mechanism of cinematography. As to the origin of the vibratory agents, the author's theory is that they result from the passage of the semi-annual and daily cosmic breath streams, of which they follow the increasing and decreasing phases. It is stated in the Hindu text to which reference has always been made that the chariot of the sun becomes restless upon the arrival of dawn, signifying here the breath of day, which sets it in motion. This might indicate that, that the simultaneous vibra vibrating of the two reflecting surfaces which determine the ascending and descending movement of the sun is produced and governed by the breath of day. In that case, there would be a new sun every morning, and this could perhaps explain the reason of its obvious weakness upon rising and setting. In the latter circumstance, the usual flickering which precedes the extinction of a light can readily be observed. The passage of the semi-annual increasing and decreasing summer 
and winter breath streams would also create in their reflecting surfaces correspondingly increasing and decreasing vibrations, affecting thus the yearly height of the sun. This hypothesis may also constitute an imperfect solution of the problem, but they may lead in the future by means of suitable research and experiments to a more concrete explanation, the origin and situation, a luminary projector, central, centrals, would still have to be elucidated. elucidated. Their size may be very small, but the projections would be greatly enlarged by the successive reflections, particularly the last one on the vault of the sky. These primary sources of light may be situated as the anxious thought in the case of the sun in an exterior universe communicating with the interior of the cavity which contains the earth by means of opening. As early... Oh, man, I never... Cos... Cosmon... I'm going to try it. Okay. Can't say it. I wish my tongue would work, but we're going to have to go through this again. Anyways, I think it's probably for everyone's benefit, not any mine. That's just mine. Cosmogony, 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 cosmogonies, and we'll make sure that we're actually saying it right, because cosmogonies, cosmogony, cosmogonia. These are words that I have never used in my life. My apology. Cosmogonies. Oh, maybe we ought to look into this and what the definition of a cosmogony is. It's a branch of science that deals with the origin of the universe, cosmogony, especially the solar system. The theory regarding this, cosmogonies, and their cosmogony, the world, the square, flat surface. In their cosmogony, the world was thought to be a square and flat surface, which turns out probably to be the case. <laughs> they lie to us about everything. We live in a world full of liars. No wonder everyone turns out to be a hedonistic pervert. Self-centered and materialistic, just total head full of Crap. Crap come in and out. Cosmogonies include many references to the existence of doors and windows in the vault. Now, doesn't, um, doesn't the Book of Enoch talk about these sort of things? Portals, if you will. Interest ways. Cosmogonies include many references to the existence of doors and windows in the vault of the sky. It is improbable 
that the exploration of the sidereal uh, space, as far as it can be carried, will ever permit to clear up the difficulty or furnish information as to the situation of the vibrating surfaces from which the disks are reflected on the vault of the sky. <clears throat> it can also now be understood that since they are reflections, the satellite disk of the Earth cannot of their own produce any sort of phenomenon and if spots and shadows appear in their circumference it is clear that these modifications occur in the first place either in the primary projector center or on the reflecting surfaces or perhaps on the vault of the sky and that these modifications are reproduced eventually in the interior of the, of the disk. Circular currents moving at unequal speeds at various latitudes have been observed in the sun. And as these appear to represent a rotary, rotary motion, a rotary motion, it has been assumed that the latter rotates on its axis at a speed of 24 days in a region of its equator and 25 days at, in the case of its other latitudes. But it could be understood that these currents or vortexes uh, exist either in the primary projector center or in the reflecting surfaces and that they are represented in the interior of the solar disk. Although these manifestations might also be due to the disk motion, motion on the reflecting convex walls of the sky. Some secondary satellites or moons are also said to have been discovered around satellite disks of the Earth, but they can be assumed to be optical illusions and that if they are not caused by a distortion of vision in the objective, they may result from a multiple, multiple refraction of the primary disk on the adjacent walls of the dome. Hmm. It is necessary to recall what has previously been said concerning the short distance of the vault. Consequently, the luminous disks called planets, which move on the ladder are also less than 100 kilometers from the Earth. <clears throat> the action of the vault of heaven and the cosmic and on cosmic rays. 
Should I read this? Or wait? Well, it cannot be doubted that in virtue of its great mass and short distance from the earth, the vault of heaven exercises a powerful influence not on earth itself, but also on all on all its con all it contains and everything living on its surface. The vault generates and discharges the energies which, under the name of cosmic waves, rays, and radiations, are day and night incessantly received from outer space. These waves are believed to emanate from the stars, although it has been observed that they also come from a direction where there are no stars at all. And this has given rise to the theories of the existence of invisible stars, but necessarily all radiations proceed from the exterior, emanate from the vault of heaven. It may be thought that the latter, in a general way, acts on the climate and the temperature depending on its composition and its distance. It may well be assumed that the very high temperatures of the equator are due to the fact that the vault is nearer the earth in this part of the world. The influence of the vault is primarily exercised through the medium of the satellite disk of the Earth moving on its surface. By the particular action they exert on the latter, the disk simulate reveal its characteristics. We have seen, for instance, in this connection, that heat and light rays are developed by the vault under the sun. All disks are conductors of radiation which proceed from those parts of the vault which underlie the path of their orbit. It may be understood that these radiations are not all the same variety, nor do they have the same intensity since the composition of the vault is likely to vary according to its height and also to the nature, size, and speed of the disk and are different. And it's therefore due to the function of the transmission of radiations from the vault that the ancients had given the satellite disk of Earth the name of interpreters. It is now possible to assume that life with its phases of incarnation, birth, growth, decay, and death results from cycles combining earth energies and the cosmic forces which are received from the vault of the sky through the medium of the satellite disk of the earth. Another important feature concerning, I don't know about this one, but... Well, I don't. 
give me some proof. Another uh, important feature concerning the vault is the fact whereby taking into consideration the metallic nature of its surface, it must possess a hypnotic non-vibratory influence which it may be expected participates with the Earth's energies and the cosmic forces of the phenomena of life. It is also most probable this hypnotic action exerted on the Earth throughout the day by the vault, which induces sleep at night. Insomnia would, therefore, mainly result from the insufficient exposure of the body to its influence during the day. That's right. Not getting enough vitamin D from the sun. The dome of the heaven must also constitute an important factor of physical and mental well-being, particularly when it, its presence is known and kept in mind. The author knows that healers transmit the vital energies it contains and also incidentally that these operate through the correspondent existing between the shape of the body and the shape of the heavens, of which man is a small replica. Now, I don't know about this one. This sounds new agey nonsense. It has been said before today in this connection that the universe signifying the heavens or the vaults is like a body of a man which, according to some texts, lies under the earth's face downward with a head in the east and the other extremity in the west. A much deeper implication must, however, be attributed to the vault of heaven on the religious plane, since some of the cosmic energies is contained and radiant, radiates, must definitely be regarded as divine. The universe they are the universal gods which were the object of primitive worship and have since reappeared under different names in successive religions. It may be said at this point that the fact of knowing the true origin of the energies which create the religious complex and man does not in any way affect their divine nature, or prevent their being worshipped as in the past. On the contrary, heavens and the word, and this word has a single meaning, which is that the material and radiating vault, which encircles the earth, was therefore described as being the dwelling of the gods. In all the early theologies, the vault itself under the name of God the Father, Lord Almighty, was supreme deity personified, personified, for instance, in Greece by Zeus, the God of High, of which, of whom all the other gods were only parts or manifestations, meaning by just the various radiations which proceed from the different parts of the vault. The satellite disk 
of the earth, particularly of the sun, were also regarded as gods due to their revealing and communicating the divine needs, divine energies. We are thus gradually led to identify the triad of divinities which from which form in a more or less confused way the basis of all religions. The first is obviously the vault of heaven, God the Father. The second is the Son, the, uh, the Son, true Savior of the world, classically described in the early theologies as the Son with an O. And since the third, or Holy Spirit, according to the theological definition, proceeds from the Father and revealed by the Son, it is clear that the heat and light rays, as well as other energies which proceed from the vault or Father, such as they are revealed and communicated by the intermittary of the Son, otherwise the Son with a, that was the Son with the U, otherwise the Son with an O, corresponds to the, the rays or breath of the Holy Spirit. The Babylonian priests, astronomers, had identified 36 gods and cosmic energies with a cross next to it, which consequently emanate from the 36 specific points of the vault, if the figure is exact. But in what way were they able to discover the existence of these energies or gods? Simply by observing the movements of the satellite disks of the Earth on the vault, which they had to this end divided into 360 Six degrees, twelve signs of the third of thirty degrees, and recording the particular reactions, and always the same, which the repeated passages of the disk over certain points of the vault, and finally determined in the behavior of man and in nature. And in this way, they could establish a systematic and accurate classification of the energies which are contained in the vault. These forces and cons- these forces considered as gods were said to govern all terrestrial and human circumstances, including all diseases. What nonsense. It would thus appear that the cosmic rays emitted by a particular spot of the vault and personification of ours um, or Ares, the god of war. Let's make sure I'm really saying Ares. I wonder how they actually supposed to pronounce that. We're going to do it anyways. Don't let, because you know what? A lot of times it's just based on assumptions. Ares. I mean, why didn't they call it ours? Pronunciation. They're like, what are you doing? How to pronounce ours? 
Why Aries? Okay. Always baffled me why it's called. Why not ours? <laughs> Aries. Okay. Aries, there's got a war through. The God of War through transmission by the disc. Incite men and nations to fight one another. But when the disc, however, move away from the dangerous spot in the vault, the influence is no longer transmitted, and the desire for war dies away. Or again, that the particular vault radiations personify the, by Apollo, which we also know as Satan, confer what is called innate poetical, musical, or other artistic genius to the individual, and this by means of an exact geometrical relation called aspect existing on the day of birth between the position of the disc and the determining point of the vault, say, in this instance, the 25th degree of Virgo. It may also be that by hypnotic action exercised by the vault compiles compels men to blindly obey the cosmic impulsions such as they are received through the medium of satellite disk on the earth by some of which it is said may be resisted. And the only way to be resisted to be resisted is through Christ. Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> it should also be pointed out that since the heavens are in the shape of man, it is presumable that all the ways they discharge whatever their length or speed of propagation reproduce this pattern. This has consequently led to the mythological belief that gods descend from heaven to earth to be born there as men, as the narrative of their discourse and action in this world. And I would not agree with this last point, but she would have this She's not saying for or against it. She's just giving a argument, I guess. So I should give her that. I don't know her. But yeah, she's, this is coming from, you know, tarot cards and uh, astrology and all that kind of nonsense. But of course, that would be heavily influenced. That was heavily influenced by the Babylon. Uh, in, it, it was the influence in the Babylonian priest astronomers. So anyways, uh, very interesting stuff, I think. Very interesting, um, considering that this is almost 60, so about 58 years ago this was published around that time, give or take a few years, I'm not quite sure. Um, and 
it is clear that the disc or heavenly bodies, whatever you want to call them, the things in the sky, stars, planets, whatever, ain't what they've been telling us. Now, there's enough uh, video footage out there um, at this point that if somebody wants to look, they can see that they are not planets. They are luminaries. And for them to understand that they were luminaries back then means that they had telescopes back then. They had some kind of... So this whole thing about telescopes being created or invented three, four hundred years ago is nonsense. If and I don't see any reason why I would lie about this particular aspect or point of history. It's true, and that they were recognizing back then that they could see that they were luminaries, spots of light. And and by the way, you can you can verify this yourself. And just do your own research. Spend a little time. You don't have to spend that much time. Start paying attention to the the sky at night, the stars. God bless me in having a front porch where I can look out and he's giving me. The, I don't even know what these three stars are, but they create a perfect triangle as they move across the the sky, the night sky, and you can clearly see the way they are positioned along with the other stars, that there is a vault of some kind. I don't know, you know, if what it is, if it's metal or not. <clears throat> but then again, you know, Christ talks about it, you know, when the people, when they see him in his second coming, and it be as the lightning from travel from the east to the west. And if we look like uh, what sprites do, what lightning do, and if they interact with whatever is up there, we'll just call it the vault, the dome, whatever, whether it's metallic or whatever it is, and how it lights up the sky, um, yeah, you know, it can be done in a twinkling of an eye, too. That's the other thing. I think when it does happen, it's going to be something like that, like, oops. And then the stars from heaven will fall, and the winds will cease, the cosmic breath or the angelic breath, the breath of God, whatever, will cease. And it should be one heck of a day. Anyways, um, I will end this recording, and then in a half an hour, I'll start reading in Edward's book. I told him I I was hoping to finish it before the interview, um, and I'm going to be reading into this. And for some reason, I just have an adversion right now of reading about the Jewish influence, the synagogue of Satan, the Jews that are, say they're Jews, which are not. 
and probably it has a lot to do with I don't know. It could be social pressures. Could it be um, indoctrination? Is it um, you know this anti-Semitic nonsense that somehow you can't talk about the and the Babylonian priest of the astronomers and the Babylonians uh, and their doctrines of deception, murder, and lies. Anyways, we'll get into more. I don't even know if you've ever seen listening. Nope. For those that will listen in the future, thank you. I hope you're getting something out of it, uh, at least for food for thought. Uh, and, and to start to see God uh, Almighty, uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and his magnificent power, what really we're looking at, what really is up there, how we cannot trust the high priest of scientism and whatever they truly are representing and their lies when it comes to cosmology. I'm not saying I'm not anti-science in any way, shape, or form as anyone else in any common sense. Sanity would not be, but, you know, heck, if it wasn't for the science, I would not be here. I would not be able to maintain the MS, and I would be dead. So, um, yeah. But, for some reason, they are lying to us about this Satan-centered or heliocentric model, and they feel necessary to do so at the top, and that's because they serve their God, which is Satan. And I do not want to be that one of them. So, God bless. Take care.